This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this episode, I have Anna Bright, who has her debut YA novel, The Beholder, coming out on June the 4th from Harpertine. And in this episode, we get into how she got into writing and came up with the idea for The Beholder, and also as someone who works at an independent bookstore, uh, how valuable that has been to both her reading and her writing life. So listen in. So Anna, what book hooked you? So when I was a little girl, I distinctly remember being really drawn to Andrew Lang's fairy books in particular, the, the rainbow fairy books and, um, in general fairy tale compilations. Um, and from there, I really um, found myself drawn to... Actually, I had a librarian specifically give me L. Enchanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I feel like I talk about this all the time, but fairy tales are really interesting because, one, old stories um, are governed by a sort of unnatural set of rules, and they... Um, they sort of illustrate a very different and very ancient set of values, particularly things like um, hospitality, like hospitality is a huge value, like illustrated in a lot of fairy tales, um, generosity. Um, but then there's also weird situations in which like tricksters are awarded. Anyway, I was completely fascinated by fairy tales. They felt sort of like ancient and strange to me. And then as I got older, I came across fairy tale retellings. And once I realized you could have these stories that were combinations of, you know, these old fairy tales whose patterns and whose figures were so familiar to me, but, um, you know, combined with human desires and fears and motivations and, and even settings sometimes, I was just, like, changed the game. I was like, magic and archetypes and real people whose motivations make sense, I was done for. And so, you know, when – so it sounds like your childhood was very much uh, centered around these uh, fairy tales, fairy stories. And so when it came to more kind of the YA age, the the teenager, uh, Anna, what type of books uh, really kind of gravitated and spoke to you during that time? Or were you even really in the books during that time? Well, so when I was an actual teen, like reading, like of the age to read what, you know, YA currently is, I really wasn't reading proper YA. Um, I was more reading um, classics. And I mean, really, then I feel like the YA section was more just a general juvenile section. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading a lot of children's books still, too. Um, so... You know, I was reading, um, I really loved Noel Stretfield's um, shoes books. I Those are more for children than for teens, obviously. But um, I loved stories about, you know, it's just, there are stories about sisters and um, sort of their their um, their progress forward together, their adventures. I think my entree into YA was a little bit funny because I I was a bit of a snob about YA for a very long time. And especially when I was of the age... Um, of that particular age demographic. Um, I really thought that 
in general, I was just not interested in contemporary literature. I wanted to read classics and I wanted to read children's books. So when I was of the age to read YA, I was focused on like Jane Austen and, um, you know, also like my American girl books because I was a late bloomer. Um, but, uh, by the time I got into college, I mean, I was doing intense reading for school, you know, 100% of the time I was taking a lot of poli sci classes. And so, um, I remember a bunch of my girlfriends were reading Twilight in like 2009 and I at first was like, oh my God, vampires, seriously. And then I borrowed one and I was like, oh wow, I forgot that reading could be, um, a leisurely activity, something that I, you know, doesn't have to be done competitively. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't all have to be like an edifying experience. Um, so there was Twilight and then I forget what later really I began, but I, I do remember reading Lauren Oliver's Delirium and thinking it was one of the most incredible, fun, fast. I mean, that was sort of a, um, that was it, I think like at the peak of the YA dystopian era. Um, and I was, oh, I was head over heels for that series. And from there, it was just all YA all the time, I think, with me. And so then at what point did you kind of get the idea that you wanted to take then your hand at writing? Was it, was there any origins way back when you, you know, were in fairy tales and maybe even creating your own? Or did it, did that kind of impulse, that urge uh, come to you later? Well, when I was really little, I did think that it would be cool to be a writer, but for whatever reason, it always felt like there was something in the way. And I think I thought that I didn't have, I didn't have any ideas. I didn't know what to write about. I, I don't think that I appreciated the fact that, um, you know, there are whole like sites, whole books full of writing prompts, like what if blah, blah, blah. And, you know, from there you can write a book about that. I just you know, I didn't appreciate that really the work of writing a book is in the execution. Um, but when I was little, I, you know, I, I daydreamed about it. And I did write a lot of poetry when I was young. Um, I have gone through those notebooks again. They are not very good. They're not very good poems. Okay. Um, but uh, I did think about it. And then, um, you know, as an adult, I thought seriously about going to, to grad school and studying English. And it was actually sort of in the middle of all of that, I, you know, oh my gosh, I distinctly remember I was writing these really, really intense papers on um, stuff that I had studied in college, like the history of um, Mexican, like political mural art. Mm. And um, I was studying for the English Lit GRE, and I studied for that really, really aggressively for about four months, um, just like reading Canterbury Tales and Pierce Plowman and, you know, reading everything from that to like, you know, Gertrude Stein and Virginia Woolf and just like trying in four months to get the equivalent of an English bachelor's degree under my belt. And somewhere in between all of that, I hit some sort of deadline and I finished it. And I was like, I want to read something for fun. And so um, I read I checked out one of those fairy tale compilation books that I sort of grew up on and I checked out um, the host by Stephanie Meyer from the library. And I like, <laughs> I just inhaled them both um, in the span of a couple of days. And I remember distinctly, I was blow drying my hair um, one day and I started thinking about both of those two books sort of not in sequence, but layered on top of one another. And I was thinking about fairy tales and I was thinking about, 
people falling in love at the end of the world and, you know, how external pressures factor into um, love. And then I started thinking, what if I wrote like a there and back again romance, you know, about a girl who has to go and find a husband and, you know, reenact a fairy tale at each, you know, in the origin locations of those stories. I just remember it hit me like a ton of bricks and it just, I just knew like that was going to be the idea. And I almost panicked. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is, I, I could do this. And I had friends who had done NaNoWriMo. Um, and it always seemed super daunting to me, but it was in November. And I think this whole like epiphany happened maybe in June. Um, so I like terrifiedly mold the idea for however many months are between June and November. And, um, that, I mean, that was it. Like October 31st, I sat down at midnight and was like, how should I begin? Probably a dream sequence. That's a good idea. And there I went. And so did you get through that month? And then once you did, what did you think? And, you know, what was your kind of next step? Well, uh, I definitely, I, you know, they say when you hit 50,000 words that you quote one NaNoWriMo, but very few books, I mean, few books for adults and few books for teens um, are 50,000 words. Uh, I don't, I don't know that, you know, I don't have a breakdown of genre versus word count in my head, but most young adult books are on the order of 70 to 100,000 words. So, you know, it wasn't a finished book, but I couldn't keep up that pace. Um for that much longer. So I remember I finished the first draft of the book on my birthday, July 3rd, 2014. Um, so it took me another, um, I guess another eight months to finish the book. Um, and then I revised it for like two years because it was so terrible in the beginning. It was so bad. Um, I revised it for a couple of years and then I started looking for an agent and that was, um, I mean, everybody who sort of knows anything about like publishing and looking for an agent knows that that is a really fraught emotional sure. process. Um, I just think I remember coming home one night and just like being crashed out on the couch crying. And my husband was like, you can't do this every time you get a no email, babe. We can't, we can't do this every time. And I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> it, it was, it was really painful. Cause I mean, it's sort of like here, agent professional person this is my diary i've i've put like my heart and soul into this for many many hours and weeks and years um you know and then they're just like no i can't as a professional person like represent this and it's super painful um but yeah once i once i found my agent um you know she and i immediately clicked and we worked really well together and her notes were exactly what i needed and you know i guess the rest is kind of history so before that, those kind of two years where you're kind of working away at this, what did you do, I'll say, or did you kind of immerse yourself sort of in the writing craft, the writing community? What did you do to kind of hone your skills, I'll say? Well, I was doing a ton of reading. I read so much those two years. Um, I've always read a lot, but I think at that point I was really like intentionally trying to um, to prioritize reading over other times, like types of media consumption. And I mean, like I make no pretense about it. Like I love TV. I love movies. Like I'm not one of those people who is like, Oh, I don't own a television. I, I exclusively read like Kafka and Kerouac by candlelight. Um, 
I, I really did prioritize reading though those couple of years. Um, and I read, um, you know, those, the, the first eight months that I drafted the book, it was just, you know, a fever dream of like barfing out words on the paper or computer screen as it were. Um, and then for those next couple of years, I, I really tried to read fairy tales and to really like bury myself in the tropes and the patterns. Um, I read a book, I believe it was called Cinderella, a case book. Um, it was a global, I mean, it was a, a global analysis of Cinderella and the Cinderella story. Um, it was what introduced me to the fact that there are whole like academic categorization systems for fairy tales, which is super fascinating to me. Um, I read biographies of probably a dozen fairy tale creators and, and collectors. It was, I mean, it was, oh, it was great. It was a great couple of years. It was really, really difficult um, at times because, you know, you're working on this thing like alone on your sofa and your friends are kind of like, what are you, like, what is this that you're pouring like all of your time and energy to? Also, is there a point to it? Also, why don't we ever see you anymore? Um, but yeah, for those two years, I mean, that was, that was when I learned, I taught myself how to write by reading and figuring out what successful writers were doing that I was not doing, you know, and I, I began also to sort of get hooked up with the, the DC writing community, which is incredible. I started working at a bookstore and, you know, that was really beneficial for me because I had began spending a lot of time by myself and was um, therefore spending a lot of time in my own head and sort of listening to my own voice, which, you know, can be dangerous. You, you're like all of your characters start to sound the same. Um, but I started working in a bookstore and started reading a little more broadly and I got hooked up with the DC writing community. Like I said, a wonderful person named Angel McQuaid, um, sort of like forcibly adopted me. Is that a thing that happens? She kind of forcibly adopted me and was like, I want you to join our writing group. Also, oh, you're a member of SCBWI and you're coming to the conference. Oh, you're going to sit with me. You're not going to feel like lost and weird by yourself again this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was all of those things kind of together that, that changed the game for me, working at One More Page and meeting area writers and, and all of the reading and all of the, like, again, again, again writing. And so after all that time and all that work, finally there's a book, uh, The Beholder, which comes out on June 4th from Harper's Teen. So give me kind of the rundown of what this book is about. So the Beholder is about a girl named Sela. She is the seneschal elect of a country called Potomac. It's a small, like, ag-based community um, that she lives in, and she's very content there. Um, and she is planning to hopefully marry um, this boy that she's liked forever and has always been friends with. And um, in a very public setting, he turns her down. And her stepmother uses this situation um, as an excuse to send her away to look for someone else to marry. And she clearly, she quickly realizes that uh, other things are going on, but um, she develops relationships with the crew members of her ship, the beholder, and she has incredible adventures in England and in Norgia, which is sort of an analog for Norway. Um, but it's an all history, so the world looks a little bit different. Um, and that's book one. And then book two, you will have to find out. <laughs> and so you said that, you know, you were after reading books for pleasure that you kind of came upon this idea that kind of set 
this whole thing in motion. So what was that initial uh, idea that got you started in all of this? So the initial seeds of the book were the host um, in which you've got um, a lot of outside pressure affecting how four different people fall in love. Um, and that was really a thing that was interesting to me. Um, was just how, how it's possible to let somebody who controls your life um, dictate whether or not you're going to love someone. And like, is it a betrayal of yourself to allow yourself to fall in love when somebody so horrible has set you up with that person? It was, it was stuff like that that was turning around on my brain. And so then with the host and fairy tales sort of being maybe that nugget of the idea. Uh, and then as those two years go on, you're working at the bookstore, uh, you're getting immersed and getting familiar with uh, different books. Was there a book or certain books that you feel really influenced you during those two years that really helped to shape either this story or just you as a writer? Um, I will give you two. I will give you two series in particular. So um, I really, I really, really love the selection series. It's such great fun. It's so romantic. I, you know, and I think it was encouraging for me um, as a lover of all things like fluffy and romantic, you know, girl in a dress book. It was encouraging for me, um, again, especially having been such a snob about, about contemporary and fun generally fun reading growing up. Um, it was encouraging for me to see that there, there was a market for stuff that was fun and fluffy and escapist and, you know, and that that kind of reading is not in any way lesser than, you know, books specifically um, written to educate or to challenge, you know? Um, so that was, that was one thing. It was encouraging for me to see how, well and truly people really love books like Kira Cass's selection series um, or, you know, Mary Pearson's The Remnant Chronicles or, you know, any of these other sort of um, really romantic young adult books. And then in terms of books that were educational for me as a writer, um, Maggie Stiefvater's Raven Cycle, I mean, it was a masterclass for me. I, I wish, <laughs> I wish this were, not real. I don't really wish this for a television show because I'm in pajamas right now, but I wish I could show you guys how marked up my copies of the Raven cycle and the dream thieves and blue, Lily, Lily blue and the Raven King are like, they're just line after line passage after passage where I just, I don't know. I, for the longest time, I think I had all these ideas about what made a book work and I, I, wish I remembered what they were, but they were definitely not right because it, you know, I hadn't really understood what people meant when they talked about books being character driven in particular. And the Raven cycle is centered so tightly around this group of friends who are codependent and just super love each other and, you know, are not always good to each other. And also around this place, this incredible set of like a sense of place, um, I feel like I learned so much from reading these books. Right. And so you mentioned uh, that you work in a bookstore, uh, an independent bookstore, one more page. Yes. So talk about that, just uh, the being a sort of independent bookseller and like 
do you really sort of, you know, maybe adopt a book, find a book that maybe is your favorite and really uh, try to promote that book that people come in the store? Or, and, and do you try to read widely? So if people are trying to kind of browse and search and kind of direct them towards what they might be interested in? So working in an indie bookstore has been a game changer for me. I, I mean, look, everybody's job has days where it's just a job and, you know, you're unboxing things or you're running late and you're tired, like whatever. But I mean, truly, like it is such a special thing for someone to come in, you know, and every now and again, it'll be like, like a girl who's 12 years old will come in with her, with her parent and she's like, I don't know what to read next. And you go to the kids section and you talk for a while and you know, you found out, you find out that she loves the same kind of things that you loved when you were a kid and you can point her to classics and point her to new stuff that's just come out. And the whole family walks out with this massive smile on their face. Or, you know, the other day somebody came in and they were saying that a friend of theirs is about to have surgery and they, you know, they need some stuff to distract them. Um, you know, and, and we talk through what their preferences are and, and try to help them find good material for their friends. Like, it's just, it's such an honor to be able to help people choose what they're going to read next, whether it's, you know, vacation reads or something that, you know, they really want to challenge themselves and inform themselves about something new. Like, it's just, you know, it's a really special thing, um, to be asked to help people with that. Um, and yeah, we do all, I mean, I try to read broadly. Um, I, since coming to work at the bookstore, um, I've begun reading more mysteries in particular. Um, I'm still not much of a nonfiction reader, but I, I read a fair amount of YA, a little bit of middle grade, and I have begun reading more mysteries, both cozies and thrillers. Um, and we all sort of have our own we all sort of have our own wheelhouses. There are about eight or nine employees at the bookstore where I work. Um, and we all have um, our own genre preferences. And so um, if there's ever a situation where, you know, I'm being asked questions about like nonfiction, for example, military history or, you know, math and science nonfiction, um, I can either text a coworker really quickly, or um, we also do this really fun thing where if you, if we love a book, um, we'll write a, a post-it about it, mm-hmm. and we stick it on the spine of the book. So there are little um, post-its stuck all over the bookstore. Um, so if a person goes to a section and they don't really know where to begin, again, for example, if they're if they're trying to challenge themselves and read um, political nonfiction or history or something like that, uh, they can go over to that section, and the post-it notes kind of guide them through um, that particular genre. So... It's, and we also have staff picks and things like that. We do um, something called OMP Reads. Um, it's a hashtag on our Instagram, and we all make recommendations fairly often. And, um, yeah, we're really – it's. I mean, indie bookstores are so special in particular because they're, I mean, they're community centers. Sure. Um, we have dozens of events every month. Um, we have relationships with authors. It's, it's the best. <laughs> and – through working there, I'm wondering if you can think of a book that maybe because you work at a bookstore, you kind of discovered and fell in love with, and you think that if you hadn't, uh, you would have never probably happened upon uh, this book uh, in any other way. That is such a good question. 
Um, I can tell you about a couple of authors that I would not have discovered otherwise. Um, so Stephanie Kate Strom is this incredible young adult author um, that I have come to love since working at the bookstore. She wrote Prince in Disguise, It's Not Me, It's You, The Date to Save, Love All a Mode. And I would never have discovered her except that at bookstores we receive early reader copies um, from publishers. And I, I got one of her, uh, I got an early reader copy of um, it's not me, it's you. And I took it home and I read it alone in my apartment. Thank God I was alone because I draped like a donkey, like truly just laughed like an idiot reading her books. And she's, you know, and I don't know that I just like, it's been such a pleasure to like watch her career. And I don't know that I would have found her like, mm. were I not working where I work? That's great. So we're going to wind down in a I'll ask you a few questions as we do. The first one being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Stardust. Stardust, Stardust by Neil Gaiman. No question. Um, it's my go-to sort of the world is drab and everything is sad and I don't feel good kind of book. I mean, it's also one of those movies that I like can turn on right before I fall asleep. And I don't mind that I'm going to fall asleep because I could probably quote it line by line. But, um, Stardust by Neil Gaiman's adaptation is just magical. Glows. And so the next question then, is there a book or a series you're willing to admit you've either never read or never finished? Um, so there's two, actually. I have never read The King Killer Chronicles, and I really, really, really want to. Um, and that's Patrick Rossis, I believe. Um, and then there's the Lumetere Chronicles series by Melina Marchetta, which um, my dear friend Laura Weymouth, who wrote The Light Between Worlds, is constantly berating all of our writer group to read. Also, um, is it the Queen's Thief series by uh, Megan Whalen Turner? Joanna Ruth Meyer is another dear friend of mine, and she is constantly in our group chat just saying, can someone just please read this book series so we can angst about it together? Um, and I, just, I haven't. So they're all on the list. They're all on the TBR. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Uh, this is a really recent one, The Graces by Laura Eve. We had her recently at the bookstore. Again, like, explore her be at a bookstore. Um, the Graces is kind of a weird, witchy book. And I remember I started it, like, walking home one night thinking, I don't know why I'm starting a new audiobook. I had a 20-minute walk home. And by the time I got home, I was like, I have to find other things that I can do while I listen to this audiobook because I can't stop it. It's ridiculously good. It's all of the tropes that I love so much, particularly the one that I love so much, and I hate using this comparison because so many people get grumpy about it, but the trope at the beginning of Twilight, the, you know, where you show up to a new place and you're the sort of, I, you know, disoriented new kid, and um, there's like a bunch of isolated, mysterious hot people. Um, that is how the graces also opens with a bunch of mysterious hot people and, you know, a new girl. And so it's, like I said, all of those tropes that I just completely adore. And then the twists just keep coming and you just don't expect any, Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I recently read an enchantment of Ravens. I don't know why I slept on that one for a year, but it was amazing. And now I have a sorcery of thorns on my nightstand and I can't wait to read that. Great. Well, Anna, The Beholder comes out on June the 4th. Congratulations, yeah. and I wish you and this book all the best. 
And thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it and the opportunity to just ramble for a little while about all the things I love. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of this episode. And I want to thank Anna Bright for coming on the podcast. Her book, The Beholder, comes out on June the 4th, again from Harper Teen. And I hope you'll check that out. And if you enjoyed this episode, please check out some of the other conversations I have with a lot of great YA authors. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.